Hey, this is Jacqueline. Thank you so much for tuning into Current Mood. I really enjoy doing the show and putting it together, but it does not happen all by myself. <laughs> Let me tell you. I have an incredible producer, Jarrell Perry, a network of truly supportive family and friends, and also listeners. Thanks, guys. And I also use Anchor, which is a really cool way to make a podcast. With the Anchor app, you can record and distribute your podcast. You can also track your analytics. You can have music to your podcast. It's a really neat platform and has totally expanded the way that I do storytelling. Um, if you wanted to check it out, you could download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. When I want to work with somebody creatively, I have to let them do what they do best. And if I'm looking for something different, than what it is that they do best, then I best go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, welcome to the Current Mood Podcast. This is your host, Jacqueline Marie. Current Mood gets to the core patterns, frameworks, and mental models propelling our everyday experiences. So in this next conversation, I got to sit down with Jarrell Perry and Hollis Wong Ware, uh, both incredibly talented musicians, um, singer-songwriters, producers, uh, vocalists, incredibly creative people. And we got to talk about the art of collaboration and what it takes to work well with others. Let's start the podcast. Hi guys. Hi. What they, up? They, oh, what up? What up? Are you ready for this radio voice? Wow. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a radio voice? Um, I have a lot of different voices. Okay. Radio like, voice, such as telephone voice. Oh. Sorry to bother you, voice. <laughs> sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Um. Hey guys. Recording live from Los Angeles, California. What I want to talk to you guys about today is collaboration and the art, as Hollis says. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? I don't think that uh, we just went right into it because we're homies. Sure. But. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, my name is Hollis Wongware, and I'm a creator, creative, even though that feels passe to come out of my mouth. But um, I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter. like past iterations of my life I've been like I've worked in nonprofits and done community organizing and um I'm just somebody who is really enthusiastic about like bringing folks together and facilitating mm -hmm. the building of fam yes I've seen it in real life it's very powerful <laughs> and um my name is Jarrell Perry I'm also a creator musician Cut my heart wide open. it hurts so good Just keep cutting. I won't let. I feel you drawing a uh, Producer, writer, consultant, sometimes <laughs> editor. Uh, a lot of things. <laughs> Fun fact: Jarrell is the editor of Current Mood podcast. 
and is amazing. And you've consulted me. <laughs> oh yeah. You, I constantly every day, but also like Gerald built my website. Oh really? Mm-hmm. You built my website too. Yeah. Look hey. at that. <laughs> we are clients. Yeah. It's a part of the collaborative, collaborative effort. You know what I mean? And I think when you have personal relationships with people, it's a great place to start because there's already a baseline level of trust that you can harness to like fast track yourself to a good work situation. There's also the challenge of that too. But I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the reward of that is just that baseline level of trust. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So trust is key factor in collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. How do you baseline baseline the baseline quality (laughs) of collaboration? Well, the way that I like to collaborate, everybody has their own, their own ways. But for me, I realized pretty early on after some mistakes in my career Mm -hmm. that when I want to work with somebody creatively, I have to let them do what they do best. Mm -hmm. And if I'm looking for something different, then what it is that they do best, then I best go elsewhere, (laughs) you know, because nobody likes to have their hand forced and they might, they might agree to it, Mm -hmm. but deep down inside, you know, that you, you're likely setting both of you up for failure or like a difficult situation, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just because I enjoy somebody's work or I think that, they're highly skilled in the area doesn't necessarily mean, or even because we're friends doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, because the vision that I'm looking for might require something different. Like, you know, you guys may not fuck with the visions that each other have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or it just might not be the right time for yeah. that vision. You, you get what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, or maybe the vision isn't articulated yet. Right, right. And just because there's a premise doesn't necessarily mean that there's a shared vision. Right, which I've seen and actually have had happen where you start working with someone or even like dating someone or any kind of collaborative <laughs> relationship, but you, the expectations are different on, on both sides and then they, they aren't really clearly defined, which is I think for creative projects is actually kind of awesome um, in a way because you, to be creative, you have to like kind of be willing to take things wherever they go but then there's also like boundaries yeah which sometimes don't get articulated because you haven't figured them out what they are or the other person hasn't figured them out um yeah or if you haven't figured them out you have to be okay with letting or trusting this other person to to take it further like with me and my so i have this project called your and Mm -hmm. with the visuals i have a creative team you know yoshino no wave um, Justin, uh, Dasher Hopkins, those are guys that I f- fully trust mm-hmm. to take the vision. Like I don't even, I might have a dream about something that I want to do, but usually it's not that. Usually I'm just like, Hey, I have this song or I have these couple of songs. Which ones resonate with you? Come back to me with what inspires you and we'll do what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know? And of course I'll have feedback and we'll then begin collaborating, but then it begins as a true, you know, conversation mm-hmm. from the get go. It's not me coming to someone with a vision and saying, here, execute this, right, right. you know, because that's just not that to me, that's not the gift that I want to engage with. Like I want to, I want to engage with their creative mm-hmm. with, with what they see. Right. 
like that's why I love what they do because of the way that they think and the way that they see. It's not just right. because they can go into Premiere or um what's the final cut or something mm-hmm. and make a video or like right. just because they have skills it's to do it. It's not just their skills. It's also like their – Yeah, it's yeah. their vision too. You know, And I always want to make sure that I'm involving them from the get-go because then it's like – it's it's easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what – Hollis, what does collaboration mean to you? It's funny because I actually – I don't want to sound too dramatic, but I kind of feel Let's like go. I'm a recovering collaborative addict. Like <laughs> okay. I'm somebody who I love collaborating so much that I think I got to the place in my creative process where I was highly codependent oh, on collaboration. Right. I started out my artistic kind of career and generative art practice um through spoken word poetry which Mm. is very singular and individual and i would write poems but i was motivated by slam poetry so Mm -hmm. i could like compete and then i would kind of be in this community which was so electrifying for me and so catalyzing Mm. for me in terms of like okay what is my narrative what are like bearing witness to other people's narratives and it was just this really beautiful space where it's like everybody kind of could create and craft and hone their own story and their own and their own uh you know poetic excellence. Mm-hmm. And then that when that transitioned into music, it wasn't just me and a microphone and my words anymore. It was like, I have to go into the studio or I need a producer for beats. And so right. it became this like larger ecosystem of creativity and creative collaboration. And I found that really enlivening in a lot of ways because I just love feeding off of people's energies. But what I realized is I had actually grown pretty codependent on not knowing how to be autonomous anymore in my creativity the way that I was when I was a poet. Mm -hmm. So like instead of it just being like a poem that I wrote and I perform and just the simplicity of me, my body, my voice and my work, it became like, oh, okay, well, you know, I I could write a song, but it's like I would need a beat. And if I need a beat, I need to interface with this dude and that dude. And they're all dudes, right? So it's like um, hella dudes. So um And I kind of just acclimated to that and found a way of navigating it because, again, I just like I'm somebody who's really motivated by social interaction and and a lot of ideas coming together. Um, So I've actually in the last couple of years really confronted that about myself and had to unravel that. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a musician, but I've never released music by myself before. I've only ever released music as a featured collaborator or in a band. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, it's because I haven't given myself the space and the agency to find my own voice and create mm-hmm. my own work, which will inherently necessitate collaborators. I can't do it in a vacuum. I can't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of I've had to learn over the last couple of years how to reposition myself in terms of not just being a collaborator, but mm-hmm. actually being like an artist and a creative in my own right. Right. And then strengthening that pillar of myself and that core of myself to be a better collaborator. Right elsewhere and then be a more focused collaborator too i think that's like when i first moved to la i was so gassed on songwriting and actually like me and jarell's friendship formed because i met him and he was a songwriter and he had been like signed to a production deal and like had gotten placements and i was so gassed that's what that was my vision of what i wanted so i'm like jarell let's hang out and jarell was like i'm actually off that (laughs) (laughs) and i was like Oh no. Uh, but I think, you know, I m- was motivated to move down here because I loved, I was just like the adrenaline rush of 
the speed dating, working with all these different producers and artists. It really was, you know what I mean? It's just like a lot of personalities, a lot of energy, a lot of these like often dead end leads towards, oh, we can get this song placed with X, Y, and Z. But I just, I was so kind of like stimulated by it. Right. Um, and it grew me and it grew my skills. But what I realized is it was, it was pretty unfocused. Like it was just kind of like I'm working with whoever on whatever, but these songs that like whatever. And like 95% of those songs are sitting on somebody's hard drive, never to be heard again you know so it's like what i've had to learn also is not only my autonomy but also like my focus and ensuring and then with focus came like an understanding of ownership too so when there's when there's so many i feel like opportunities to collaborate i mean in music and like a lot of creative industries how do you cut through like the clutter of you know all of the ideas for collaboration from other people yeah yeah i think like an lid like what you just explained is kind of it's two things. One is like, oftentimes people approach you to collaborate, which is code for, I want you to do, do free work for me, <laughs> right. like free labor under the guise of collaboration. So instead of saying, I want to hire you to execute this thing for me, it's like, I want to collaborate with you and not being like clearly identifying a skill or value that you bring, not particularly articulating a skill or value that they provide. <laughs> Once again, a premise is not itself valuable. Right. Um, and so I think that that verbiage has been very, has, has been like, and I think that's what a lot of creatives are doing now is like, you know, not only recognizing like, oh, I do so much free labor. How do I monetize this? But also recognizing like it's beyond, it's even beyond monetization. It's like, how are we articulating values to each other? And, and to I feel ourselves. Like that's not, and to ourselves. Right. Like, and how are we identifying our own value? Right. And I feel like that's what gets lost with collaboration is some, and I used to be this way. And that's why I recognize this in myself. I saw my value as my positionality versus my inherent skill. So it's like, who am I working with versus what do I bring? Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, I like, and that's how I've my entire career. I've been like, I can do whatever, however, whoever you have a job, I'll figure it out. Like that's me. Like I'm the, like I've always been that way. But what I realized is like inherently within that, that, identity is this kind of lack of self understanding and lack of self understanding of my value mm -hmm. instead of being like, Oh, this is like what I'm best at. I'm like, I can be competent at whatever. Be a jack of all trades. Because what, and then I'm actually, what I'm doing is actually determining myself based on what I'm, who I'm working with versus what I'm like doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it worked for me in some senses. I feel like, you know, like me being open to collaboration and me being open to opportunity and me being open to doing hella fucking free labor for people got me to a place where I was able to figure out, okay, like there are returns here. This is, you know, whatever. But like, but then also recognizing like if you don't know your inherent value and what you bring and, are, and aren't able to articulate it or assert it, you can get led down paths that you end up empty. And as a songwriter, I've definitely felt that way. Like I worked on last year was a hard year for me because I worked on a couple of projects that I spent a lot of time working on thinking that there was going to be a return and it compl they completely went up in smoke and not only went up in smoke, but there was like so little accountability amongst the people that brought me in to collab fam, to build fam. Mm -hmm. And I had to really <laughs> recognize like I can be mad at those people, but I kind of did it to myself in a certain sense yeah. because inside you have to take creative risks and you have to take creative gambles. But then like recognizing, okay, I feel like shit at the end of this process where I put all of my best work and my best time and I said no to other opportunities to put myself into these opportunities to build fam and to collaborate without any upfront cash. 
And then when it all goes up in smoke, it's like, okay, well, I feel terrible and I never want to feel this way again. Yeah. So how can I ensure like that I'm not closing myself off to creative risks, mm-hmm. but that I'm making sure that I have a baseline compensation, even if the compensation is just like accountability. Right. That's what I was, I was curious. Like if there's no upfront cash, which is one thing, like what other upfront value or what other kind of um, transparency can you request from the beginning of a collaboration? It's a, it's just about knowing what, what the goals are, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. is the goal to make money? Is the goal to, to develop each other and just to mm-hmm. see what happens? Like sometimes that's it. And Which you is kind valuable. of manage, yeah. And you just manage the expectations from the beginning. Like I've been working with a few different producers on my next project just to see what happens. And there's no, we're not pulling each other's legs or whatever it is, like, or pissing on legs and saying it's raining. That's like my dad's. <laughs> We're channeling. He's like, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> that is such a dadism. Like, or gassing each other up about like, ooh. I mean, sometimes people try to do that and I'm really kind of immune to that just because. Because you live in LA? Yeah, because I live in LA <laughs> and because of, like Hollis was saying before, like I went through the same situation when I first started songwriting and going, doing the whole speed dating thing and like working with everybody and anybody. And that's really important because through all of those pseudo collaborations or just like experiments, really, Mm -hmm. that led me to find my own voice. And I think it's really just an ebb and flow in seasons. So all of a season where it's like high collaboration, I'm bringing what I think I have or what I've built so far to the table. And then I pick up what I pick up. I learn some lessons and then I come back to my studio and I might spend three to four to six months on my own and not really work with anybody because Mm -hmm. I'm working on my next iteration, you know, like, Mm -hmm my next version of me that I'm going to bring to the table, which only I can do. You know, I can't really call on other people to, to do that for me. Cause at the end of the day, it's not me. That's their value, not mine, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's again, as like kind of a recovering collaborative addict, I think that's what I realized is like when I found deficiencies in myself, I looked to, okay, who can I work with to supplement that right, right. instead of being like, how can I build that? And it's, I, I heard this quote and I do not know who said it, but somebody was like, the thing that makes you excellent will also make you lonely. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I love that for me. I don't like being alone. I, I, I'm, I'm adverse to that. That's like, that's my thing. But I have had to learn to be comfortable with that. And what I've recognized is like, and obviously like my path is my path and I'm, I'm not regretful about it. But at the end of the day, it's like, I think my aversion to doing that hard solo work where nobody's standing next to you being like, good job. You're great. That those like immediate external affirmations that you, that you can get when you collaborate. Not to say that it's all sunshine and roses. Like collaborating can be really like funky and weird and like feel not great, even when it's going towards a great end. But like, you know, I think that the kind of like to Gerald's point, it's like to be a bet your best self in collaboration, you have to do the work on your own and you can't expect collaboration to shape you entirely into being your best self. So like, how do you bring your best self into, um, collaborating? Communication is really important. Of course you have to know yourself first to be able to communicate that but say like hey these are my strengths these are my weaknesses i'm really for example if hollis and i are writing a song it's like 
and I'll tell anybody, I'll say like, I know that I can fuck up a melody really well, you know, but Hollis is like crazy, like quick with lyrics and like Mm -hmm. meaning and like, you know, and we both make a great team on that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that it sounds basic, but just like goals and a vision. I think that like oftentimes, and it, which is not to say that exploratory collaboration is bad. I think that like that's totally great. Um, but I think in our current reality and all of us being in like the creative economy and the gig economy, it's like we need to be really clear about even if the clear vision is we're just we're, we're just collaborating to collaborate and to, and to strengthen our skills and to learn about ourselves. That's really important too. But I think sometimes people are afraid of being clear about their goals because it feels Mm anti-creative so like oh like oftentimes when you're in music it's like okay like let's just write a song let's just like write write a best song and that can be totally fine like you can just be like okay we just want to write a great song but then people will have actually different kind of hidden or like not articulated expectations Mm -hmm. and i think that like being very explicit about expectations and being very explicit about like what goals are um, even again, if the goal is kind of like an anti-goal, even if the goal is just like just transactional. Yeah, yeah. Are the goals articulated in writing usually, or like verbal, or it I, just depends? It depends. Yeah, depends on how the intro is made. You know, if it could technically be in writing, if it's like <laughs> email, right, so, right. You know what I mean? I think that sometimes, like, and I know this too, as a creative person, we kind of like shy away from like the the very like clear like clear communication in a certain sense because it feels like oh like that's for somebody else to handle like i'm the i'm the muse like or i'm the font of like of the fount of like creative you know uh creativity like i can't be bothered with these like these these limitations and these parameters and it's like well indeed like you need to you know like put a frame on your work that's empowering though like you don't want to be a disempowered creative either you know like at the end of the day for example with something that's in writing i think if money is going to be involved at any point in the process if you if that's kind of a part of the vision and it you know that it's going to be transactional it's best to get that out first just like hey this is my base rate or this is the thing that i do and this is how much i usually charge or Asking someone, hey, how much do you, you normally charge? How much charge? is your time worth? <laughs> um, or like, I love when people kind of come to the table recognizing, hey, I know that what you have or what you offer has value, right. you know, even if they can't afford it. Right. You know I mean? No, that but it's means like, a lot. Hey, I just want to let you know that I know that y- what mm-hmm. you do is valuable to me and mm-hmm. to the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know? And it takes a lot of strength i think well i some people ha- some people have no problem talking about money but right. but think with creatives a lot of times it's hard <laughs> yeah I, I, and here's why i think that it's inherently hard i mean i'm somebody where i'm bad at financials i'm like numbers adverse whatever but i think a lot of it too is that creative work is inherently not it's not a monetary yeah. uh commodity creative work we put so much of our intrinsic value and our heart and our aspirations and like so much of our soul like for you know as a quick term for it into our work so it feels really shitty 
and whack to think about like, okay, like what is this worth in the marketplace? Because the marketplace is fundamentally not a place that values our humanity. And like art is our humanity on display. You know, not only is it our humanity inherently, but it's our our humanity exposed to the world and for people to be like, that's whack or like, I don't fuck with that. You know what I mean? And there's all this like kind of it's ego, but it's understandable. It's like it's 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 self-understanding like in this form that has become not only especially in music not only a commodity but a highly disposable commodity right a commodity in which there it is high a hyper saturated market Where in, in which your humanity will never really be seen and so it's like it's two weeks whole, later nobody nobody knows gives a shit about your humanity scary. <laughs> it's scary i was just telling my friend the other day i was like she's like how's you know i'm working on a solo project right now which is like kind of again like where i kind of start amazing you guys Yay, thank you <laughs> i started you know starting from scratch and then inviting in collaborators to build on this vision that i've had and like kind of reframing what collaboration looks like for me and, and forcing myself to take leadership and not be codependent anymore and you know while i've been crafting these things very intentionally i'm also terrified about putting it into this marketplace where i don't see i see other people i devalue people inherently because that's how we're conditioned to understand music and musicians at this point so checking that in my sense and then thinking about okay how like what does success cannot look cannot be contingent on the marketplace it never can it can't ever ever be it It, can't ever be you know what i mean and i think that's the problem is that as musicians it's like or as artists in general we're creating this work that we cannot position our self-worth and value and and a sense of success within our own right on its performance in the marketplace. Or that's like your livelihood. Completely setting yourself up for failure. Exactly. (laughs) But you also don't want to be ambitious. You don't want to inhibit yourself from the potential of success. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you can't be contingent upon that to feel validated within or else you will always lose. Because no matter who is performing at the height of the marketplace now, there's no, there's no security. There's no guarantee. And also just remembering that the work itself is has been its own reward. Mm. Like that's kind of why you started doing it in the first place. Nobody started, nobody woke up one day and someone said, Hey, you want to sing this song? I'll pay you to sing it. You know, (laughs) it's like, no, (laughs) yeah, your heart was singing the song and you decided to fumble around and figure out a way to record it or to collaborate with somebody, you know, um, and that always has to be at the center at the, right. you know, or you're bound to fail. Yeah. Because it's such a thankless job. I feel like as a creative, especially like in music, like how do you guys reward yourselves? Mm. <laughs> or do you? <laughs> well, I'll say this, like with my solo work, the most rewarding thing for me has been being able to, produce and curate these intimate showcases of my work for people, for my friends and people who I know support me, not only me, the projection of me, but also like me as a human being. Right. It's not just like fans. I, although like I'll take any fan I can get, but, uh, I'm a fan. but I'm like, a fan. thanks. Um, <laughs> but just like I have really appreciated getting myself out of the kind of live music marketplace. Although like I know that eventually I'll have to like, perform at a venue or like open for somebody who's like has X, Y, and Z, whatever. Um, but I really like kind of taking myself out of that marketplace and creating my own meaningful like events and centering myself as a creative within it and like really forming community because that, and then I walk away from it incredibly gratified, not only because I had a captive audience for my work, (laughs) but also because 
um, the people that come will meet each other. And for me, that's what motivates me more than anything. Like the most gratifying feeling I can ever have is when I'm able to introduce people to each other that go on to collaborate or go on even just to be really good friends or just like to create something. Like I, you know, I did a showcase and like, three friends from from completely different walks of my life came and then they sent me a picture they all went and got dinner last week and i was literally the highlight of my week you <laughs> I know what i mean because i'm just yeah. like because i'm like that is value like immediately like i actually literally like that makes me feel better than any like thousand streams could ever feel because yeah. i'm like i actually was able to material like to truly real world impact mm-hmm. people's lives and people's course right. because of convening them around my art right and like that is the kind of thing where i really have to hold that and not feel discouraged because it's like okay i'm already creating a meaning and like an impact in my work and it's like centering myself on that impact because that's truly the only thing i can control mm-hmm. you know um and like so it's like that's one way in which personally I've been trying to reroute my um addiction to external validation towards yeah. creating creating meaningful experiences. Yeah. That's a good reward. For me, I think my reward is definitely more um isolationist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just more, um yeah. for me, I I have to just celebrate small wins in the process of it and it's completely disconnected from the results per se. So it's like, Hey, did I wake up and write some lyrics down today? Did I record a little bit? Did I, you know, what did I do? However small Mm -hmm. that led me one step forward. Like how did you overcome resistance? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I talked about, um, I, I wrote on uh, my blog about this accomplishment journal mm. that I had started last year. What's your blog? Uh, still mind. Oh, okay, cool. Dot co. <laughs> uh, and that even, even when I'm not writing down my small accomplishments, it's like that kind of thinking, it leads me and it guides me in everything that I do. So, mm-hmm. um, even when it comes to personal things like, oh, did I cooked a meal for myself today? Okay. That's one point for me. You know, like I got to remind myself that there's rewards in the small things and that each small thing is leading me to the big thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, there's really no big thing. You know, you're, we're all just turning, <laughs> we're all just turning the wheels. And like yeah. expanding, expanding, expanding. Cause once you hit that thing, usually by the time I hit that thing that I was looking for, I'm already over it, you know? Right, right. And so I'm like, That's and funny. usually it's like when I let go is when the things that I was looking for happen. So I'm just like, I just the process of letting go like that, that is my reward. Mm. I love it. I like them both. I'm just curious. Has there ever been a time where you, Went to like a collaborative session or something and like it just ended up being like a total joke or like you were just like, what is happening right now? I just, I will I'm start. sure you have. Holly. I'll start. Like, no, no, I mean, there's so many examples of that. I feel like, like just, and again, I think it becomes, it comes with like, um, with a lack of like articulated vision and expectation sometimes, but this is outside of that. I recently did a session where I got together with three dudes and the charge was to write a female empowerment anthem. Wow. And, uh, I actually really like each of the dudes like individually. 
And for some reason in this process, I just like, ha- I had this like clear realization, like in the moment where I was like, this is, there's no way that this is going to end well. <laughs> this is not, nothing, this is not going to result in what the, what the, what the assignment was. Right. Cause it's me and three dudes and I'm like, what if we did this? And the guys are like, no, I think we should do this. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. So like within, well, that's the thing is like in collaboration, it's a, it's this, it's this tension and it's a fun tension. It's like a fun tension to jump into. It's like asserting yourself versus, uh, acquiescing to somebody else's assertion of themselves. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you go in and you're kind of like, I'm bringing these ideas to the table and it's kind of this immediate, like this kind of like collaborative competition in a certain sense that can feel really fun. Cause sometimes competition brings out the best in people. Oh, like I think it should be this way. Well, I think it should be this way. Like, well, what do you guys think? Okay. Well, let's try each of them and like determine what it is. And like having really decisive opinions is how we assert our professionalism in a certain sense. But in this example, it was just really clear. I had like a very clear moment of realization. I'm just like, we are writing a female empowerment anthem and like, I can't get a word in edgewise when it comes to like this section of the song. Like <laughs> this is probably not, not bode well happen. for the applicability of this. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it was just like one of those things too, where it's like, you want to be, and again, like I like each of those per- people and like, I would collaborate with them again mm-hmm. under different circumstances perhaps. But like, it was just one of those funny things where it's like, there's a, there is a vision, there is a goal, like there's a clear deliverable. And I was just like, this ain't it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then sometimes, but you're like, you know what? I'm just going to finish it. One thing that I've like tried to be as a songwriter is somebody who just finishes shit. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to abandon ship and I want to see it through because you never know. Right. Right. But you never know. Now I know that it's not. <laughs> Except for this time. <laughs> Except for that. I'm aware. Ever had a, some, some funky collabs or what? Uh, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm a get it done kind of person. Yeah. So if I have an opinion that I think is going to slow things down. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's necessarily worth all that. Yeah, to pick your battles. I'm like I place a high value on getting through <laughs> right. a thing, you know, yeah. what I mean? like versus versus having a a, a, a word right. to say. But yeah, I think there's a lot of times when you might be in a position with an artist or somebody who maybe thinks their talent or their whatever they're bringing is like God's gift. And then (laughs) you just realize that it's not. And then they show up like three hours late. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's hard in the moment to, it's not even that you want to just like lie down and let people walk all over you, but it's also like, how much work do I want to put into asserting myself in this like exchange versus getting out of it as quickly as possible? Right. Right. So like determining if it's more of like a transactional relationship or something yeah. you want long term is like how, how you go about it. Well, it's it. like if you put in time into kind of like checking somebody's ego or whatever or like trying to really go in with them and like wrestle for the idea. Like in that collaboration I was just talking about, like it was one of those things where I was like, well, what if it was this way? And one of the collaborators was like, I think it's fine the way it is. You're like, okay. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Either I could sit down and be like, you know what? Let's unpack that. Or I could be like, you know what? Let's move on. You know what I mean? And I feel like we all have those interactions yeah. like through our days, day to day. You're like, do I want to dive into this or am I just going to, yeah. are we just going to move on? But you know like, what I mean? As you get old, I feel like as I've gotten older too, like obviously with experience and anything, you're just, you know where to like pick your battles, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> but the, I just want to make sure, like, and then I think for me, like, I just want to make sure, like, if, if we're taking it out to the kind of a socio-political landscape, there's so many battles Let's to be go. waged. Let's go. And it's, it, it, I don't want to start the habit in myself where I just defer on every battle. I don't want to just be like, no, that's not my battle today. No, that's not my battle today. And then like, I, you know, wake up to the world on fire and so much horrible shit happening. And I don't want to get into the habit for myself to just be like, eh, what can I really do? Is it really worth my time? Do I have the time? I think if there's one thing that like I've been ruminating on a lot, um, after the, uh, horribly tragic death of Nipsey Hussle is like he didn't wait to get to a place to start his work. Do you know what I mean? Like Damn, he did he wasn't like, oh, let me get to where Kendrick's at before I start buying property in my community and starting businesses. He wasn't like, oh, let me get my Grammy nomination before he'd been doing it, which is why he had he was achieving that and that's what makes it so tragic is like he was achieving that level of notoriety and accolade Mm -hmm. was his life was tragically cut short but he had been doing the work he'd been creating impact already creating the impact already for years and years and years as as an independent musician and like taking ownership and like owning his masters and like doing all the shit he didn't wait to get to a certain point to start doing the work and i think that's something that i've been really challenging myself to really confront and think about it's like what what excuses am i using for not doing the work like how can i start applying myself now and not waiting for Again, an external, an external validation yeah. of my skills, a certain real. amount of numbers on Spotify, so like all these like completely intangible, unowned by us, completely uncontrollable, like often uncontrollable, like kind of data points to then feel like then my, then the work that I'm, my purpose in this world, my impact in this world can then switch on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's real. I actually just, as, as I was on my way here, I saw, um, like, these like individual little balloons that spelled out Nipsey in front mm. of a coffee shop. And I got like sad. It's um, really fucked up. But like, you know, tra- tragedy like sparks a lot of inspiration in people, which is like, you know, I'm thankful for that, but rest in peace, Nipsey. Sure. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. We had a party called Let's Build Fam. That was fun. People was met awesome. through that. A lot of people I met. met okay, so I met, yeah. So to, for context, there was a party that Jackie and three other folks had. It was, I was like, this perfectly LA. It was like this amazing well, gathering yeah. that dispersed after three sessions. I feel like I think oh you had God, like yeah. three Let's Build fans and then you guys were too busy to do the party. We were too busy but <laughs> I went to the first one. It was at the resident in downtown LA. It was basically just like Let's Build Fam just meant like invite your people and like, then like meet the other flyer, people. The flyer was oh, like yeah. literally Legos, one of them. And the other one was like flames and flames, a, flame party. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like ironic, but also really cool. It was like networking without the bullshit. Right. Like, right. Meet cool people. And I love that shit. And I just like, I like the permission to be like, the point of this party is for you to meet people you don't know. Right. Cause I feel like it's so hard, especially in LA, but I think in general, right. Well, it's like networking sounds, seems corny. And then when you go to functions, oftentimes, you know, like, and I, me and my friend talk about this a lot, we'll go by ourselves and then we won't have a conversation with a single old soul. And it's like, well, we could have just stayed home in our pajamas and had this conversation. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have to get all dressed up and then like take an Uber to this place Seriously? to have a $12 <laughs> drink. We could have just like literally just stayed at home and talk shit. <laughs> But you know what I mean? So I liked the, I loved the fact that you guys did that party because the premise was meet somebody you don't know. Right. And so I kind of like, you know, 
had a tequila and then like and started introducing myself to people. And I met this woman named Alosi who lived in New York but was from LA and we just started chopping it up. She's like, I live in New York, but like I'm from here. I'm out here a lot. And, you know, we just like really hit it off. We like connected. Um, and then like every time I was in New York, I just hit her up. So now it turns out she's the VP of marketing and publicity at Afropunk. Now. Oh, right. I met her at your function. Yeah. And yeah. then I had her at the <laughs> showcase. And then I just produced an event called Take Creative Control in LA. And she's from the like South Central Crenshaw neighborhood. And then she was on the panel like at Vector 90. Wow. So it was like, I was just so thankful for that event because there's no way that she and I ever would have met. And now I'm just, it's so like motivating to have her as a, as a relationship and somebody that when I'm out in New York, like I always kick it with her. I'm able to like program her and then we're going to start collaborating. Amazing. And that's how I think the best, like so many great collaborations are formed. It's like you can have these kind of like, and they're not artificial. Maybe they're synthetic, but these kind of like, <laughs> wait, 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 these like forced, Let's unpack like, okay. that real quick. So there's or- organic versus synthetic, right? Me meeting, me meeting Alosi at your party, Let's Build Fam, us becoming friends, and then now being potential collaborators and emerging collaborators in this like space that's around empowered creators of color and us ideating that. That's an organic collaboration. A synthetic collaboration is my manager talking to Jarrell's manager and then putting us in a session together and me being like, nice to meet you, Jarrell. Like, what are you influenced by? Okay, let's make a song. Which can sometimes result in some amazing epiphany moments because it's that same blind dating, speed dating thing. Like, you can really connect with those people. Um... But yeah, it's like, because it's like, it's not like the premise was let's build fam, like meet somebody and then start a creative project with them that has social impact for creatives. Like that would be synthetic, Yeah, which doesn't mean that bad work can't come from that. Cause some people really do well with that kind of environment. Some people are really about that, but I think, um, I, I was going to say, I think it's a gift really to be able to set the right tone Mm -hmm. for a gathering such as let's build fam, um, where, there's not a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's like just enough structure. It's like just a whisper. It was like, literally a whisper. It's literally a whisper like, meet someone. That's it. <laughs> it's not like build for networking purposes and like right. raise your profile or, uh, yeah. Or and, <laughs> and it was actually it's a mixer. Really, like there's yeah. like yeah. these little, these keywords. That I think are triggering for people because they understand what that means, especially for, with creative, creative people. It's like, if you've ever been in a corporate context, you know the difference. And that breeds like inadequacy for me personally when I'm in environments like that that are so like hyper structured on networking. I just feel like I'm like, I don't belong here. And I feel like a sense of like, I don't operate well in those environments. And so I would be allergic to them, you know, versus like having a party where people, where there's just that whisper that encouragement, that gentle nudge where it's like, like step outside of your comfort zone a yeah. little bit. I also feel like it was the environment too. And that's like a crucial part. Like today when we were setting up um to chat, I was like, you know, let's sit on the ground. Like let's, you know, like, like the little details I think are really important for collaboration. Um but just like being thoughtful of like the surroundings and the environment, you know, like the temperature, what does it look like? How do you feel inside of a place? Like what's, you know, like what's the mood? Um, I think that really bodes well too for making people like you, you want to feel so comfortable. You want to feel comfortable in a space that you're in touch with like yourself. So then you could also be in touch with other people. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, when I had, I think it was one of my birthday parties mm-hmm. at my, um, friend Celeste place. It's like this oh my God. amazing pet house. Shout right? out Celeste. 
And well fed. I remember specifically thinking about how I wanted to invite people and how I wanted to set the space up because I knew I had been there a couple of times before and knowing that the space itself, it's like floor to ceiling windows, eighth floor, um, crazy views of downtown LA, hardwood floors. But the space was so grand that it almost felt formal, like even with no furniture in it. <laughs> right. And so I told everyone in the invite, this is going to be like a shoes off party, mm-hmm. not just because we don't want to scuff the floors up or whatever. It was, <laughs> it's because that's how I feel is a really quick way to bring everybody down to right. like a base level you do, of like, like very you know, you things. can be dressed however you want. Or I said, what did I say? It's a dress to de-stress or something like that. So that I think you were like if, neutral tones. I was neutral like, okay, tones. I definitely wore neutral tones. <laughs> if Wild Wild Country had been out by that time, I'd be like, okay, everybody wear a shade. Rajneesh, everybody wear a shade of red. You know, just to bring to bring everybody onto a similar wavelength right. and not to feel this pressure to perform. Because that's my thing. That's like a personal thing for me mm-hmm. as a performer. Right. <laughs> I don't really love performing when I'm not working. You know, like I want to be able to feel like my natural self. Sure. I feel like sometimes we're just walking around with our avatars. Like, this is me. I'm a, right. I'm a blah, blah, blah. And I do this and that. And just like, hey, and to go back to Let's Build Fam and just the whisper of meet someone, meet someone for the sake of meeting someone, not for any other end. And then that really leaves that room for an organic connection to happen. Like just building off of your um, avatar comment. (laughs) I think it's so crazy because a lot of times you'll go out still. I mean, maybe it was like more prevalent a few years ago. People be like, hey, are you whatever your handle is on Instagram, like, Hey, are you Jay Minty or, or whatever? I'm just like, um, hi, I'm Jacqueline. Nice to meet you. I am not that. I am. Uh, that is the screen. Right. Um, but it is crazy because we do identify with our social media selves and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird reality. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, especially when you're trying to meet people, it's like, Oh, what do you do? Is like always the first thing or like, what industry do you work in? And yeah. Then, it's funny. I want to shout out my sister, Josephine Ware. She's a, she lives in New York and she's starting. She used to work in the matchmaking space and found it to be a completely like, uh, void of any kind of human connection and connectivity and just kind of like humanity. Yeah. Um, and so she kind of did, she's basically doing like, human matchmaking so not necessarily romantically intentional but like kind of like very curated spaces for people who are interesting and inspired to come together and one of like her stipulations in a lot of the um events that she organizes and she organizes retreats is that you cannot talk about your profession oh, I love like it. you need you and she and she pairs you and she'll like have she'll and based on your personality and like what you're interested in your values because i think that's the thing we're driven, we're driven by values, but we don't often have that conversation. We don't we articulate them. What we do, how we make money, what, the ways in which we're interested in aspiring to make money, but we don't talk about what drives us. And that's just not, that's not on the menu. That's never really a place of discourse. And so it's like, and oftentimes people get kind of shook when you ask them those things and they, they almost feel like it's an attack. Shook it. Like, what do you believe in? Right. And it's like, how dare you? you? <laughs> Literally, because, because that's not, you know what I mean? Cause that's just not, often the way in which we interact and that's not you know and I I think about this sometimes in LA when I lived in Seattle I had friends from all walks of life 
And when I'm in LA now, we all do wildly different things, but nearly everybody I'm in community with is an, in the entertainment industry, which is not unusual in Los Angeles. There's a ton of people who do entertainment here and it's like the main economy versus like in Seattle, the main economy is tech. But like, it's just interesting because it's like we all have this commonality. So we presume that we have common values. Right. When in fact, when in fact, we don't necessarily. And a lot of people don't feel ever incentivized to really articulate their values. Right. So it's like, how do we create more meaningful social interactions and social experiences where people are encouraged to be value driven and value led instead of like accomplishment led or like resume led? You know. Resume led. What's a resume these days? Oh my god. <laughs> I know that your I'm gonna Instagram. hire Jarrell to do it. <laughs> your Instagram is your resume. I think um how do we make space for that more or more organic or value led or value driven conversations is by changing the culture from the ground up and just continuing to have those conversations. So I know that I'm usually gonna be the first one to to take it there. You know? <laughs> yeah. I have to, it's also my responsibility to create a safe space for people to share if they want or to not, you know, and, and to be my most authentic self. I think you have to lead by example. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't say let's have a, and not like I would say it like that. Let's have a discussion about our values. You know what I mean? But right. I think it's, it's really just a practice, you know, mm-hmm. even doing a podcast or something like this or talking about a podcast or because <laughs> Lord knows I love a podcast. You love a good podcast. <laughs> it's like a half of the sentences that come out of my mouth. They're like, I was listening to this podcast <laughs> and just saying like, Hey, it's okay. I'm not going to judge you either. You know? Cause I think yeah, that's the thing is yeah, like, we're yeah. so used to being judged upon our, per- whatever our avatar version is self is, which is like our per- profession or what have you been up to you know totally and that's the paradox of living in our digital economy being like subject to our digital economy where everything is instantaneous and the takes are so hot and so fast and everything pops off and then doesn't it is so um it is so opposite of the way that artistic development happens and creative development and frankly human development and value development happens which is you have to read a book or you have to spend a day by yourself locked in with your instrument or with your words. And like these are not hot takes. And that's the thing is I feel like there's value. We we place value and we place kind of import on importance on like the immediacy of a thing. Mm-hmm. And we see that. Like how fast can you turn it valuable. out? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like and I felt that way too. I used to be like I'm going to be really fast in sessions. I'm going to go and I'm going to write a hook hella fast. I'm going to do whatever. And it's like was that my best work? Like Probably not. Like I was valuing the efficiency of a thing over the like merit, like the, the depth of the thing, you know? And I think that that's the thing too is like we, we're afraid of depth and it's, we don't have or have to be in the depth. We can just overwhelm ourselves with what's not deep. Right. Cause there's a lot of it. <laughs> there there's is like a swimming. There's an infinite <laughs> amount of surface level shit yeah. that we can pretend that that's depth, but like depth actually takes time and unplugging and turning off and closing the laptop and like right. signing off and like really being with yourself to be excellent. Yeah. Will it be valued by the marketplace? 
No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you see creators like a Kendrick or like a Beyonce and people who like, I mean, like Homecoming is a perfect example, like to your point of like where, where you see collaborations. Like I think Beyonce has done an incredible job. Beyonce literally doesn't have to sing another fucking note in her life and she will be fine. Yeah. Financially, she doesn't need it. I just read that she like asked, she got paid in Uber shares when she did a performance a, year, a long time ago or at some point yeah. it was like she had like a six it was like a six million dollar yeah. fee but now her shares are worth like four times that much or something i saw that and then i also saw somebody being like mm, actually the valuation of those shares is probably oh, really? like only increased in a modest way it hasn't somebody was like three million or thirty three hundred million oh, dollars no, I, didn't, in shares. I didn't see that one whatever yeah see there's a lot of misinformation yeah. <laughs> but um but that's she's i think a good point and watching homecoming is just like such an affirmation of like she not only was like I'm going to produce like a a career defining concert and like on the back end I mean that's a whole other conversation where she's going to like own the rights to her entire performance and take a pay cut from Coachella off top so that she could own the IP and then be able to develop that and she she's creating like my friend works as an editor for her like she that she delivered that movie to Netflix. Netflix didn't have a goddamn thing to do with it. Like her company, she's in complete control of everything that she does. And that also includes her having this expansive novel vision of doing a homecoming of honoring black, like historically black uh, colleges and universities, like doing this completely novel thing that is to- so beyond herself and put- creating a platform where it's like, it's the Beyonce show, but there's a hundred people on stage that are all exceptional that are getting this moment in the shot. Like it, it like truly gives me chills to think about like the intentionality and the scope, but it's all led by a vision and it's all led by a vision that's bigger than herself. And then she did the fucking work eight months of rehearsal and she has this incredible quote in the documentary which is like people don't like to rehearse because they don't want to be humbled and like that is so fucking true in today in the 2019 like in our creative economy people don't want to be humbled people just want to get their little meme off and like have that you know what i mean but it's like the work the real work and the real excellence lies with that humility and a lot of people don't want to go there but even i'm like if beyonce can humble herself you know what I mean? There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> Beyonce's been doing this for years. She could just literally show up at Coachella and just be like, all right, we're, we know this already. But she like, she crafted something that was so beyond and was just like, a real, I mean, it was absolutely the best show I've ever seen. So anyway, that's my, that's my, that's Shut my B, uh, <laughs> that's my B stanship in action. Do you love Beyonce? I do. I think she's just such a good model of ownership. Yeah, that's true. And I'm really like, I think my passion over the last year or so has just been how creatives can like own their work, um, and own themselves and own their value. And like, she is a really phenomenal example of like owning it. So what about, how do you guys deal with the business side of, of ownership when you're collaborating? And you guys are both pretty advanced in your careers as songwriters and all the other creative things. But like, I feel like when I've stepped into sessions and stuff, when I was like managing artists, like a lot of people don't even know what royalties are, or don't even know what a PRO is. Or you have to educate yourself, like, and nobody's <laughs> gonna educate you for you. I'm working because I'm now collaborating with people, and realizing they don't know either. And right. I almost I think I had forgotten the work that I had done when I was really just starting out. But it's also my nature to, I'm like an information junkie. Mm-hmm. So of course, like I was researching all these blogs and I bought all these books, <laughs> how to make it in the music industry. And um, <laughs> like, you know, but the thing is, it's stuff is changing literally every day. Mm-hmm. 
um, but just a baseline knowledge of where money comes from, right. how do you collect on stuff, even the micro payments. Right. I think <laughs> micro payments, like it's like two cents. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally micro payments, but I do believe that the way that you do the small things is the way that you're going to do the big things. So I just say, start now, you know, yeah. just little by little, it's like, if you need to sign up with a performer's rights organization, yeah. uh, like a ASCAP or a BMI or a CSAC, it's like, okay, that's just one step you can take this week mm-hmm. and th- or this month. And mm-hmm. then next month, okay, let me read up, read up on what even a publishing deal looks like right. or how... Or just Google how how many ways can you get screwed? Right, or what is by sound a publishing exchange. deal or a record? Like you broke deal. Google. There's too many ways you can get screwed. You cannot <laughs> just yeah, or YouTube or something. Like I just think it's crazy because there's a, this black box around, right. especially when it comes to because if you've been screwed, you don't necessarily want to reveal that. The only thing you can really do for yourself is be responsible for your own education right. and. For for speaking up and for being fair, you know, be fair to yourself and then be fair to other people and, and do your part (laughs) if only. Right. And to be open. And, um, yeah, it's like, like business is business. Business with capitalism is not, has never been perfect. Has never been good really to the people. Right. Capitalism is Great for capitalism. Right. Yeah. You know? So it's like with this stuff, you can't escape the system. You can only be aware and and do your best to balance yourself within it. Yeah. Yeah. We're all fucked. No. In conclusion. In conclusion. We're all fucked. Um Yeah, I think we've talked a lot about building, fam. Yeah. We've been built. Um, there, Thank you for creating space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. I love it. This is kind of my favorite thing to do ever. I think, like, what to your earlier point about like the environment, and like, I know that's what current mood is kind of like. That is the latent like truth within the work that you do, which is like our owning space and feeling like comfortable and empowered and good within space is like. That's the baseline for anything. So glad that came through. (laughs) Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I hope you enjoyed yourself on Current Mood. Stay tuned for our next episode.